What up, what up? Jimmy Murray here with Frank Padalano, and we are the Cashflow Kings. The Cashflow Kings podcast discusses money, finance, mindset, and investing with an emphasis on cash flowing real estate. Hi, and my name is Frank Padalano. Welcome to episode 12. Brooke Tomasetti, she is a house hacker and a traveler all in one. Yeah, so I think you guys are going to love this episode. Um, the really exciting part about this episode is the fact that Brooke is, I, I feel bad calling you a newbie, but honestly, like what she's been able to set up for processes so that she can essentially travel the world after buying her first multifamily and during the buying process is incredible. And I think that you guys are going to be, or find this episode thoroughly interesting. I agree. This is uh, perfect for someone, especially 20 something that really wants to own property and most people do nowadays want to be able to go wherever they want whenever they want yeah so i thought i was kind of badass buying my first property at 23 but based on what brooke's been able to accomplish and travel the world while doing it it's even better so uh this is going to be a lot of fun so welcome thanks guys thanks for having me so um do you want to give everyone like a high level of how you get into it why you decided multifamily, and how you started the process yeah, for sure. So I am definitely would describe myself as a personal finance nerd. I love that. Um, I've been interested in personal finance probably since I was 15 and I read The Millionaire Next Door. Nice. Um, that book totally like changed my life at a very young age. Um, like most people, my parents were, um, they were always worried about money. They're like, you know, we have three kids. Yes. Um, they were always focused on saving. Um, we were fine, but they would definitely complain about money, and it was always like having enough. Um, and I'm, so I feel that on a deep level because I come from a blue collar background. Like both my parents have blue collar jobs, and it wasn't like I mean, we kind of lived hand to mouth, and it wasn't always complaining, but we we always kind of had what we needed, but maybe not everything that we wanted. So totally understand where you're coming from. Do you remember what made you pick up that book, by the way? Right before that, I had, read, I had read The Motley Fool on investing. Oh, perfect. Nice. Um, and I think my mom actually recommended The Millionaire Next Door and like, got it for me at the library, which was really cool. Um, she awesome. saw I had like an early interest in investing. And um, after I read that story about that, it was like this woman who passes away and she leaves like $2 million to charities that she cared about. Yes. Um, and she lived like a very simple life. And that really appealed to me. So it's crazy because I talk about this with my part of the property management business all the time like most of our wealthiest clients they're coming in in jeans and sneakers and they're driving a car that's probably like 10 years old and 90 percent of the time it's going to be a toyota right so hashtag toyota oh, what's, the, what's the hashtag we use millionaires drive toyota <laughs> yeah we, we should we should yeah create one but i think the idea of what most people have of wealth is fundamentally wrong like Wealth is a measure of dollars, not free. Uh, sorry. Wealth is a measure of free time, not dollars, right? So folks that are wealthy typically aren't going to lead a flashy lifestyle. It's not like these IG influencers who are driving the Lambos and jets and things like that. The millionaires next door, it's going to be much different than most people would expect. Exactly. And it was more like, how can I set myself up so that I don't have to be focused and worried about money? Right. And I can focus on what's important to me. Absolutely. So I don't know if you know this, but um, they... His daughter, because he died in a car accident, his daughter actually has a new book coming out uh, called The New Millionaire Next Door, I think. That's really cool. I'm definitely adding that to my list right after this. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so 
that's all that's awesome how you started um so can you tell us a little about a little bit about as i started through my words here a little bit about what made you interested in real estate thereafter like how did you start hunting for houses and decide that you wanted a multifamily? Yeah, so after I got um, really interested in the stock market and started investing when I was like 15, um, I was like, That's okay, awesome. how can I make move this along faster? Yep. And I had like, I had always been good at savings. I have a really high savings rate. I, yep. That's like always my goal. I don't do budgeting. Okay. I only focus on my savings rate. Um, and I started setting aside money for more like a f- more like fun, like high risk, potentially yep. high reward investment. Right. Um, so let me stop you right there. How many savings accounts do you have? Do you have like multiple? I or have. Just- I have a Roth IRA, okay, and then I have a, Va- a Vanguard Mutual Fund, um, and then I have multiple savings accounts and one that's just for real estate investing now. Perfect. Because I was going to say, a lot of the times what I hear, and I do something similar, so I've never been focused on like, my spending, but it's always pay yourself first and like put a, a large amount aside. And then from there, it's like, okay, what savings account does it go into? So my banker always makes fun of me. She's like, hey, you have like 18 <laughs> accounts. I'm like, well, they're all for something different, right? And it's, it's all name there. So you know, I have um, a bunch of accounts right over here down yeah, the street. Yeah, exactly. You know, they walk. I walk in, and they all know my name, obviously. So, Brooke, real quick, just for the um, Roth IRA and everything else, um, I usually don't ask this, but how old are you? I am at twenty-six years old. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Starting young definitely helps. Um, if you're older and you listen to the podcast, just getting started is where you need to be, right? right? So, obviously, the younger the better, but you just really want to get started. The quote I always use, um, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw that meme, that, was that quote over the weekend, right? Well, we also posted on Instagram a few weeks ago, too. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. So starting the multifamily process, you had the savings account. Where do you go from there? Um, so I was very fortunate to uh, meet a good friend when I moved back to Providence. Okay. Who happened to be a real estate agent and a property manager. Yes. Um, so that was pretty huge for me. Um, right away, I, I like I was like, I want to get pre-approved for a mortgage, and I kind of started the process um, from there. This is probably, so I bought my first multifamily last April. So it's been a little so, over a year. Yeah. <laughs> this is almost like celebratory podcast <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, probably, I don't know, five months before that, started looking. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because I, I only... I think I only saw three properties. So um, it just means that you had a really good realtor, right? <laughs> yes, I had a really good realtor. <laughs> so that's good stuff. So when you set out on that house buying process, uh, are you trying to develop like a farm area where you specifically want to buy? Or how you, or what was your approach there? Yeah, so to give people some context, I'm like a five foot tall, 100 pound <laughs> woman. So I was like, I need to buy in an A-class neighborhood. Sure. Um, so I was only really looking on the east side of Providence. Fair enough. And I had actually rented for a year right after college okay. in that same neighborhood. So I felt very comfortable with the area. Um, I didn't want to have, I wanted to have good quality tenants. That was important to me. Um, didn't want to have to be chasing down tenants for rent every month. So. Yes. So I would, so one kind of golden nugget as we'll, we'll take a pause here for a second is that if you guys want a higher quality of life, if you want to self-manage and not have a property manager, buy in a better neighborhood because your quality of life is going to go up with your tenant quality. You're not going to have as many headaches. You're not going to have to go to eviction court. I'm not saying that headaches aren't going to happen. They're inevitable. But honestly, the, the better neighborhood you buy in, it's going to mitigate a lot of those risks and hopefully 
cause less headaches than you would typically have on a lower demographic property. Well, you're going to typically charge more rent. And at the same point, you might get less overall net income, but it'll be worth it because you have less people to worry about usually, less problems. Absolutely. So as you go through the buying process, you close on the property. What are your next steps once you close on it? Yeah, so actually before that, um, in the middle of looking at properties, I had planned a two and a half month long trip. So I work remote from marketing agency full time. Yep. And I tend to go away for a few months at a time, sometimes more. Yes. So um, do you want to plug your IG handle here? I don't know if you want to plug it, but uh, Brooke takes amazing photos when she's on vacation. And uh, if, you have, you. If, if you have some wonderlust, then you definitely want to follow her page. Yeah, my handle is BH and then my last name, Tomasetti. Okay. And if you guys want to figure out how to spell Tomasetti, it'll be in the show notes. So. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So working remote really allows me the flexibility to do a lot of traveling while I'm working full time. Yep. But it wasn't ideal because it's really in the middle of my hunt for my property. Right. Um, but as I said, I had a really good real estate agent who I trusted. Um, and as it so happened, I was I was in Guatemala when my <laughs> my real estate agent was like, hey, there's this three unit. It's right around the block from where you used to rent. Yep. So immediately I was like, okay, I know exactly where this house is. Like right. I could pretty much picture it in my mind. Yep. Um, he went to go to go look at it, took some nice photos, good video, walkthroughs for me. Um, and I ended up putting a bid in that got accepted. And I, I really didn't think it was gonna get accepted. So what was your reaction, <laughs> like sitting in Guatemala, getting the phone call or text message saying, hey, you, your, your bid, you won the bid on the house? It was a crazy moment because I was actually outside. It was on the week over the weekend, so yeah. I was outside um, with my coworker. Uh, like, I think we were like about to order drinks. We were like celebrating the weekend, <laughs> and I got that text message. It was like the craziest feeling. I was like definitely a little bit afraid, but yeah. mostly I was really excited. Yeah. I mean, I had I had looked at the inspection pretty thoroughly, and um, you know, like at least like the high level inspection that my real estate agent did, and. Yeah. It just was a really good fit for me, so I was awesome. overall really excited. The property itself, was this a uh, an MLS listing or was this just something, how did you find it? It was an MLS listing. My awesome. agent found it, so I cannot take credit for like sourcing a deal or anything like that. <laughs> right, well, like you said, you, you only end up booking at three or so properties. I mean, we all, the agent's not in the room here, but we all know the agent, he's pretty good. So yeah. he probably so, looked through quite a few before he gave you those limited number to actually look at. I think the biggest learning opportunity here is trusting your real estate professional, right? Like finding the right one up front and then trusting their insight, their knowledge, and their advice. And that's where a lot of newbie investors get hung up, right? They don't want to trust a real estate professional. They always want to consistently question. Now, questions are good, but you have some level of faith in the process. Depends on how you referred to them. I mean, if you call them off just a, a listing, you might have less trust than if you were referred and you know this person for a while. Right. So I'd say like after the screening process, like don't always go with the first person that's referred to you. Mm -hmm. Maybe sit down, grab a cup of coffee, interview a couple of different folks. But once you gain that trust, knowing that they have the street cred, take their advice, right? Because that's going to lead you to be more successful in the long run. If you constantly try to micromanage or kind of undermine their efforts, it's not going to lead to your success. Yeah, and that's clearly true. I mean, most investors don't buy property without having seen it until yes. they're very seasoned. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
So what made you pick um, the job you have now? Tell us about that little remote business a little more. Yeah, so I've been at this job for almost three years now. Um, and about four years ago, I kind of sat down and I was like, okay, what do I want my life to really look like? Yep. Um, and what I was mostly concerned with was I want flexibility with time. Um, and also geographically, I knew that I wanted to travel more, um, and time was very important to me. So I started looking up like remote jobs and things like that. And at the time I was working for a marketing agency actually yep. in Pawtucket nice. right out of college. So I went to Bryant, okay. not too far from here, yep. um, got a job right at the agency and I had the flexibility to work from home one day a week and I absolutely loved it. Nice. Like, I think I was one of the few employees who took advantage of it. I, I worked from home every Friday. I think it's interesting how like different generations, some may struggle with working from home and then the, like the millennial generation, I think that we excel there, right? Yeah. So we want to balance and kind of pivot and do what we need to do. But I think some other generations, I'm not trying to stereotype, but some other generations have some difficulty or they may not allow their employees to work from home. If they're of a different generation and they want to, to provide them that flexibility, but that's a huge work perk. Absolutely. Yep. So, I just I just love the concept that she is able to basically leave whenever she wants, come home whenever she wants, and she can have a multifamily property that she, we're going to talk about the systems in a minute and what she does. Yeah, so let's dive into that because I can remember um, an Instagram story over the course of the winter when you were somewhere around the globe, and uh, I think it was... Germany? Uh, was it the Canarias Islands off the coast of Spain? Somewhere wild. Yeah, I was in I was in Germany and then I was in Gran Canaria. Okay, all right, all right. Um, but essentially, like a hot water tank broke or something like that. So, can you tell us a little bit about that story and the process? Yeah. So, when I was abroad, <laughs> um, I got a. I think it was actually my tenants emailed me. I think because they knew that I was abroad, they probably thought that my phone that I wouldn't get messages for right. whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and basically there's flooding in the basement. I was like, Oh, it's definitely my hot water. It's definitely a hot water tank. Right. Um, and I just immediately texted my contractor. Um, I just have someone who I, I trust who I've known like since I closed on the property. Okay. Um, also was a referral from my real estate agent. So I have him to thank Again, for that trust, contact. Trusting the process, right? Huge. Yeah. Huge. Right. Absolutely. Um, and he responds really quickly and I let him know before I left, Hey, I'm going to contact you if I have, like emergency emergency things that need to be fixed, I'll text or call you. Right. Anything else, I'll email you. Okay. If it's not high priority. Perfect. Um, so he was he was expecting that. I think I had had something earlier in my trip that went wrong. So he like immediately like ten minutes later he was out of the property and. So I think it. one of the biggest things, and this is for investors in general, not with contractors, but in any real estate professional that you work with, is communicating at the right level. Right, so you talk through, hey, listen, I'm gonna send you a text or an email if, if something happens that isn't an immediate priority, but if I call you, know that it's gonna be an emergency. So sometimes real estate investors can be like the little boy who cried wolf, and uh, they will blow up your phone <laughs> to ask you if rent has been paid on one of their 14 units. But you need to communicate at the right level. Like if you're an investor and you're working with a property manager and you're, you're asking questions, certain questions need to be answered through email. So then when you really do truly have that emergency, that gives your team, whether it be your property manager, contractor, whoever it may be, the opportunity to respond effectively. So I think that the fact that you laid out the communication kind of guidelines up front, that sets you up for success. Yeah, it's it's all about setting expectations. 
and then also it goes both ways. So it's with you and your tenants. Right. Like, I don't respond to, unless it's an emergency, I don't respond outside of business hours. Right. To my tenants. Yep. Unless it's something really high priority or emergency. Huge. Huge. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you 100%. So I know for a fact, like with some of my personal tenants, if I receive a phone call, I know it's an emergency. Outside of that, if I get a text, I'll respond inside of business hours or slightly off because kind of busy schedule. But you're going to try to keep that so you can have that work-life balance. So you're not taking that stuff home. Right. So I think that that's a, a huge priority for a lot of investors. What are the systems do you have in place? You have the contractor, and then what are the systems? Like, I know uh, once in a while it might snow around here, though we had a pretty good season. I mean, yes. does the tenants take care of that, or what else goes on? So right now, um, per my leases, my tenants do take care of that. Um, but one thing that I do have in place is I've created a Google Doc that I share with my tenants, um, and I'll share with any new tenants who move in. And it's basically a doc that has... If a tenant asks me a question, I'll add my response to that doc. So, so that if it comes up again, awesome. that other tenants will see like, oh, like that's, the answer's right in here. That's that good. Is, that's that a golden cool. nugget. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. So let's let's step back through that one in case people missed it. So essentially what happens is you get a question from a tenant, you put it in the Google Doc, and then you put your response in the Google Doc. So it's like a repository of all the potential questions a tenant Frequently has. asked questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That That's a huge nugget. So where did you... Did you all right. So, did you come up with that yourself? Did you read it somewhere? Like, how'd you come up with that one? I've I've had been thinking about it. <laughs> like, That's awesome. Yeah. That's good I, stuff. I like put that in place pretty early on. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Has like um, emer- like an emergency contact. So like my handyman. But I I say what scenarios you're allowed to contact him. That's even better. It's so. like it's like a call tree of like if happens call this. Exactly. If, exactly. Right? So that's all good stuff, um, and I think that works well with where you're at. So um, outside of that, I think the question that I've seen a lot lately is electronic payments or how you accept payments without having to go to the property or whatever you may choose. So as you're abroad, how are you collecting payments from your tenants? It's all electronically. Perfect. Um, so it's Zelle payments. Okay. They work through pretty much every major bank. They have a Absolutely. list of like a hundred plus different institutions that you can pay through Zelle with. Okay. And how um, easy is it to set up? It's super easy, they, and they don't take like a, a percentage or anything like that. Okay. So that's a huge plus. Yep. Um, I've heard of them before. I haven't used them, but yeah. All right. So do you find that your tenant, can your tenant set up like automatic payments through Zelle, or do they just kind of bump it out or over to you when they're ready? They can. The tenants, and the tenants I have now, I think they do They do that. Um, okay. I did that actually when I was renting. Awesome. So I, I'm, and I have like, it's in the dock actually, like how to set it up. <laughs> Going See, back to my Google Doc. This goes, so it all goes back to the Google Doc. Yeah. So the tenants, if they have any questions, they refer back to the doc. Exactly. All right. So, guys, if you want to be a pro landlord as newbie, you got to set up that Google Doc to tell your tenants exactly what to do when it happens. Um, so that's all good stuff. So now that you're, it seems like you're settled into the three family that you own now, are you looking for another one? Are you still going to travel? What do, you, what do you got coming up next? Yeah. So... I'm definitely looking to buy a second one, but awesome. I'm probably a year out from that. Okay. That's um, fine. Yeah. And again, like every month I set aside a certain amount um, out of every paycheck into my real estate investing fund. Absolutely. So it's still something that's important to me and that's a system that works. Um, and I do have travel plans coming up. 
So I've, I was traveling from January through like mid-April, <laughs> pretty much. So it's been a really big year for travel for me. Um, but I'm going back to Ireland and Germany in uh, June. So I think the big thing here is that it's possible, right? Because most people are like, I'm a landlord. I can't go anywhere. What if something happens? What right. if a toilet starts to leak? Yeah, right? So I think that's like the coolest thing about this episode is that you started fairly young, a lot younger than most real estate investors, and you're able, able to automate the process really early to allow you to do the things that you want. So Frank has a partner in another business that um, runs a three freedoms group. So he talks about time freedom, financial freedom, and ge geographic freedom, geography freedom. Location freedom, time Location freedom, freedom, and financial freedom. Yeah. Okay, so those are the three freedoms. And at 26 years old, Brooke has accomplished most of those, right? So guys, it is possible. You just have to put in the work up front. So that's a lot of the things that we talk about on every podcast. Um, don't get hung up on the details, right? Because you know that things can go wrong, but it's a matter of like, okay, something went wrong. Let's try and fix the process for the next time. That's where the Google Doc comes into play of like, hey, this happened. This is how we should respond. Yeah, it's like you have to say, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then what, what do I have to do in that case? Or what right. do my tenants, what actually needs to happen? Yep. And then you just set that up so that by the time, you know, when you're traveling, you know that you have the system in place. Absolutely. So what type of advice could you give to someone who's getting started out? Like where did maybe somewhere you went wrong or somewhere that you thought you could do better? Is there any advice that you could give to somebody getting started? Yeah, for sure. I feel like probably one of my best pieces of advice is nine times out of ten in my case at least it's a lot cheaper for me to hire someone to do the job than it is for me to do it myself so for example um, I'm turning over a unit right now yep so my third floor I knew I needed to paint the whole unit right which takes a ton of time a ton of time but painting is gonna get you 80% of the way there exactly exactly um, but again like I work full-time I right. do work remote so it saves me time commuting but still like if I I knew how many like how many hours I would have to spend up there right. painting like probably all night long. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I just found a, a painter who I trusted, um, and he gave me a quote, and it was way it was way less than I would have spent if I had factored in the hours. Okay. And and then buying the materials. So so, so again like golden nugget after golden nugget on this one. It's all about opportunity cost, right? So yes, it may cost you some dollars, but hey, that's a professional. They're probably going to do it better than you are. Way better. I know when I case. started. I know when I started. I was a terrible painter. I used the worst paint possible, and I painted like every weekend for six months. It was miserable. I actually just recently painted one of my units. It wasn't that bad. It was kind of like therapy recently, but I only had to paint one room, so it wasn't terrible. But I would say, you know, when you go to tackle a project, if it's something that you feel that you can tackle, try and factor in that opportunity cost of like, hey, it's going to take me X number of hours, or I can maybe enjoy my family or go out and do the things that I want to do, but I can hire it out. I've painted two rooms in my life, so I understand. Yeah. 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 That's right. enough. And, and that's Frank, enough. Frank owns a bunch of units, so it, it all depends on what you're comfortable with. So if you want to be that landlord and, and come in and get your hands dirty, there's nothing wrong with that. By the way, those are only rooms in my own house. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's how cheap I can be sometimes. <laughs> right. So it's all about figuring out what part of the process you want to play. So. Playing handyman up front or handy woman up front is not a terrible thing because it gets you into the weeds and knowing the process. But if you decide, hey, listen, that's just not my thing, you want to hire it out, that's not a bad thing. A lot of people get hung up on the in the beginning of saying, oh no, I have to do it all. 
Well, I would say if, if you're forcing yourself to have to do it all, it's not necessarily something that you want to do, you may get yourself caught up in trouble um, just because you may find yourself deep in a project um, that you're not able to come back from. But so, try to factor in that opportunity cost. Being tough on Brooke here. Goals and habits. Goals and habits. Yes. Yeah. So I feel like every successful person, the reason they're successful is because of the habits that they've put in place. Like you can't just set a goal and hope that you're going to get there. Absolutely. And even if you, people set these big milestones, like even if you set a milestone out, maybe like every six months out or something, there's so much time in between that, that you need to be working towards that. Yes. But it's really hard for people to, to like visualize that. So for me, habits have been extremely important. What, like for example, so I think morning routines are huge. Yes. Um, in my case, I get up at least an hour before I want to start work. Okay. Um, and in that time, I'm able to basically put myself in a good mindset for the day. So I, I journal. Um, affirmations? I do affirmations, five-minute journal. I'm, I Sometimes I meditate, depending on the day. Yeah. Um, I do my stretches. And, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just like... You have to you have to figure out like what it is that you need to do to be successful, and you have to do that repetitively every day. It's kind of like it's kind of like if you want to get in shape. Yes. So like for me, it's like you don't need a you don't need like a huge crazy workout routine. People right. who have that, I find that they go to the gym like once a week, <laughs> and they, they like <laughs> think they're gonna see results. Um, but like I always tell people like just go every work day. Right. Even if you work out for like forty five minutes a day. Right. Thirty even like thirty minutes. Yep. Like you're gonna you're gonna maintain <laughs> at the very right. least, right? So like s- keep it simple and just stick to it, but be consistent. So two big things. I when I used to meet with real estate investors all the time, or I, I still do, not used to, but I used to always ask about books. But one of the new trends that I'm seeing is so many more people meditate than you think, and so many more successful people meditate than you even know. So meditation has been huge for me. I've implemented that this year in my routine. I fell off the, the boat a little bit over the last couple of months, but I've gotten back into it this week, so I, I feel a lot better there. And then the second big thing is when you look at professional athletes, they don't just show up and step on the basketball court or step into the hockey rink. They're there a couple hours before the game. They're warming up. And I think the same thing holds true for what we do on a day-to-day basis. So when Brooke's talking about, I want to wake up an hour before and I need to work through my progressions of affirmations and journaling and sometimes meditation and maybe that workout, that's setting up your brain and kind of your being for success throughout the rest of the day. And I think that that's sincerely undervalued in everything that we do. So if you can wake up and warm yourself up, I think it's going to set you up for levels more success. And it's up to you to decide what warms you up. If it's sitting at the table with a book and a cup of coffee, hey, that that's what it is. But it's going to be different for each different individual. You mean it's hard to be insta-famous? You mean most of the time you actually have to work at it? To yeah, get it's going to take you 10 years to become an overnight success, right? There you go. But it's all about that discipline in your daily habits and routines. And that warm-up is huge. It's going to give you, it's just going to help you out levels more throughout the day. So speaking of books, uh, Brooke, what what book do you recommend right now? Yeah, so this ties in exactly with what we were just talking about. Um, I read the morning, the Miracle Morning by I think it's Hal Elrod is the author. Yes. And that's kind of I read that I think three years ago, like right before I started working full time remote. Um, and it's it's helped me with focus and discipline, just having that morning routine. But um, it's kind of his story is really interesting too. Yep. Um, and it's very tactical. 
It's short and it's very tactical. Yes. So I read it a while back. Did you read like the original version or did you read a specific version? I think you read the original version. Okay. All right. So I think I read it for real estate realtors or real estate professionals. But um, it sounds like the story is like kind of cliche as you're reading through it, but it totally hits home. And it's like, oh man, I do that. I have those bad habits. And then it's like, well, this is how that person broke them. And this is how we get to where we need to be. But it, it's such an impactful book. And it's interesting how few people actually bring that one up. But I, so after I read that one a while back and then I read The Seven Levels of Communication, it was like an offshoot of that book. And I thought that those books were pivotal in kind of my turning point in my real estate career. Right now I'm, I'm reading through the one thing. Yeah. So another great book. Gary Keller. Yeah. So um, as, as you listen to this podcast, hopefully you guys picked up that medication, medi- medication, no, <laughs> meditation and reading are key components to success. And I'm not saying that they're for everybody, but if you guys are stuck or in a rut, you know, read the Miracle Morning, see if you can turn that around. Not everybody's going to be a morning person, but meditation is definitely going to help you throughout the day. So try and add good habits to your routine and it's going to aid in achieving your goals. So if you like this podcast and you felt that you guys got something out of it, if you could share it with a friend who might also get something out of it, or if you could give us a like on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, um, we'd sincerely appreciate that. And in the meantime, if you guys would like, you can follow us on Instagram under the handle The Cashflow Kings or on Facebook under The Cashflow Kings as well. Um, We hope that you enjoyed the podcast today with Brooke and Cheers to your success. The Cashflow Kings program is for basic entertainment purposes only. We do not give official legal, tax, or investment advice. Each person should consult their own advisors prior to making any financial decisions.